Hey, Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is on Patreon. Yeah, if you're one of the people who have been sending us letters saying that you want more Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories in your life, this is your opportunity. Boy, do we love doing this. If we could just do this all the time and not do anything else, well, I guess we would just do this, right? And we'll make it easy and cheap and affordable because we do love it so much. There's two membership tiers right now. The Record Store Kid membership tier is just 5 bucks a month. Uh, get our weekly email update, which we will be launching with our Patreon, and uh, at least one spinoff episode per month. And then we have another tier. It's the Headphone Junkie tier. That's $10 a month, and you get two Two Patreon-only spinoff episodes per month, plus that weekly newsletter. That's simple. That's it. If you want to support the show, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash stories, and we'll throw that link in the notes. Don't go to sleep, mother. Don't go to sleep. And do me a favor. Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. Well, what the hell are you saying, Doss? You've lost half your body sleeping. I, I sleep pretty hard. Welcome to Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. Hey, it's Brian. Uh, hey, it is Murdoch. Welcome to Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories, your home for the rumor, innuendo, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and all the things that you love to talk about. And we are the story guys at gmail.com. That's how you get in touch with us. You can send us an email. Stephen G sent us an email. He writes, Guys, I love the show and would love to hear an episode about ZZ Top and the Zombies. Yeah. I, I have to say, I have respect for both of those bands. Uh, you and I both really have a deep respect, I think, for the zombies. But until this email, I had never seen their names together in anything but maybe an alphabetical listing. That's correct. Me neither. Really? I, I didn't I didn't know, and this is a super fascinating story. So I'm glad we're glad that you got to ask this, Stephen, because we're about to take you on a journey somewhere fun, specifically with one of my my ZZ Top was my first rock concert after Kenny Rogers and Dottie West. <laughs> so we you know there has been some clamoring in the uh, in the fan chat rooms about a potential Dottie West episode. That that yeah, could happen. Yeah, that's true. And so I'd love to do it. Um or Crystal Gale, don't it make my brown eyes blue. So uh I was thinking about this. I think you introduced me to the Odyssey and the Oracle. Yeah, I, I think so too. I like I don't remember how this happened or what, you know. But I remember. I remember I, you I very, giving it to me. Yeah, I remember very specifically us having a conversation about it, and 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 I'm pretty sure I did the hot take where I said this is way better than Sergeant Pepper. So, which is a hot take that people are like, "What?" It you is know, a hot take, but it also involves. Doesn't it involve an instrument owned by one of the Beatles? Yeah, there was a, a Mellotron that was that was there. Well, we're going to talk about this, right? But yeah, like, yeah. we, we got to talk about how they like had no budget. <laughs> how the whole thing is like scrapped together, and it's yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I don't want to step too much on that, but I do think that you gave me this record. Yeah, and 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 here's the other hot take, and I am ready for the hate mail <laughs> is that that whole record might be better than the Sgt. Pepper record. The whole record. Absolutely. Okay. And and the way that it's it's different is uh, until the White Album and they start doing their own things, they're a pop band. Yeah. And and the Zombies are not just a pop band. There's no. there's there's definitely this like odd ja- I'm not a music theory person. <laughs> I know if you're Viv, listening. Viv, you hear us? Okay, Viv, if you listen. Like, I'm not. But even, like, music writers said things like jazzy rock or something. But it is true that 
the Odyssey and the Oracle is considered one of the greatest records of all time. And it's happened. But what's so interesting about it is that I know there's people listening right now that don't have it and haven't listened to it. Well, I right? do think this is a, is a case of we're bringing up a band who's very important to the the basis of rock and roll that I think there's probably a good good portion of people don't really know who they are. Yeah. They've probably heard of them. Well, you've heard... It's the time of the season. <laughs> I was going to play it, but your version is much better. Well, I'm sh- I don't know about that, man. Um, At, where was the first time you heard that song? It just had to be the radio. But then when I watched Awakenings. Oh, my we, God. The we, Robin Williams movie? Yeah, and De Niro. There's uh, like they, they give they, they're giving them El Dopa. And then all of a sudden, like these frozen in time people in the yeah, home yeah. are like able to do stuff. And he takes. De Niro out on the street and time of the season's playing and De Niro's been frozen in that that whatever oh, yeah. that hospital and so that's where so I heard that song the I first time probably like heard it on a Time Life retrospective at some point but then I do specifically remember that early in the American Idol catalog there was a guy who beatboxed who did I'm pretty sure that song and did all the beatboxing around it. Did you shoot the television with your revolver? Because that's what I would have I thought it was cool. I'll yeah. just say that I thought it was cool. I, I, Blake Lewis? Is that that guy's name? I, I don't remember what year that was, but it would have been in the first 10 years of the 2000s. So they eventually were, were in the Rock Hall. But in 2019, it takes until like 2019, doesn't it's it? 2019. Yeah. So well, let's, you want to talk about, let's talk about the songs, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because um, they're not all hits. Well, sort of none of them are hits. Like, like, kind of. There, there are. They do well, have a little bit of chart success. We'll, we'll get to that okay. because one of them is their biggest hit, and they were broken up. Right. That's the that's the thing. So they they were not a band when that song got famous. Yeah, they broke up. So uh, yeah, and and so so real quick. So they were, you know classic British band they met in school and and the yeah, two this, main guys are like Rod Argent and Colin Rod Argent you were yeah. an Argent fan weren't you that's after this band well I mean I just remember being a kid and there was a radio station I listened to that was in Nashville and they played Judas Priest and they played stuff but like <laughs> hold your head up what like always came on it's so super damn long like it was it super, is really it's, long it's super damn long but kind of cool like yeah. listening to something yeah. off dark, dark Side right yeah and but I heard that song more than I heard zombie songs growing up but Chris White is a super important person in the band um, I just want to say that because uh, keyboards, but you know we can focus on on Colin and Rod. They were the the main guys, and and here at the end here where we have reunions and stuff like they're the two main people that are still like the original. Um, but they the two of them like there's a small group of them and they they're fucking around playing music and semi seriously, and then they win a local band contest. It, it really it really is like something out of a movie. Like I it, actually honestly looked up at one point in my life whether or not that thing you do was based on the zombies <laughs> because the story is sort of the same. Right, cuz it's like, yeah. Right. Which uh, which it's not, but it's that movie is based on sort of the concept of all bands in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like like sort of this big stereotype and yeah. this fits the stereotype. Yeah, yeah. So Rod Argent had this idea for a song. They went in the studio. And it was one verse, and he was kind of lifting a bit off. John Lee Hooker had this song called No One Told Me. Oh. And so he played the one verse. 
No one told me about. Yeah. <laughs> she's not there. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's how She's Not There became the second of these four songs that were on this uh, recording session they did with Decca, and that was June 22nd, 1964. Oh, my God, dude. That's crazy. And, and so the one thing I remember hearing about them, too, was that they actually do better in America than they do in Britain, even though they're a British band. Yeah, but... In it, terms of success. Well, what happens in, in uh, Europe, and I'll try not to get too far ahead of myself because there's a lot of stuff to talk about and there's stuff I talk, I've got here later I wanted to talk about. But, you know, one thing that kills them over in Europe is they release singles and, and the most oh, of them fail. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so it, it like doesn't like really work. But, um, and they sort of, I also remember reading at one point that they never really make a proper album until they do Odyssey and Oracle because they're basically pastiches of singles. Right, they're just, so, putting all the singles together on a, a, a record. Which so. we've sort of made the full cycle because that's how people do stuff now. That is. That's exactly like how you do it. So so back to She's Not There because people know that song right, in wait, time, time wait, of the season. Sh- should we play She's Not There? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just so we can play it. Well, no one told me about she lied Well no one told me about her. How many people cried But it's too late to say you're sorry How would I know Why should I care Please don't bother Trying to find her She's not there Well let me tell you About the way she looked The way she had to Dude, it has the double hook, too. Yeah, and okay, see, hey, are they better than the Beatles? <laughs> I mean, this song is like two great Beatles songs smashed together. Yeah, it kind of is. Everybody call the fuck down, okay? Like, this is a great <laughs> band that people didn't get to hear well, or whatever. This is so and, funny because I sort of forgot until we dug into this. And honestly, I don't know that we ever would have come to this story without the listener letter. So I mean, when we say we yeah. take your, your stuff seriously, we really do. You drive the show. Yeah. And when I saw this, I was like, are we going to have an excuse to talk about the zombies? Because I know you and I, as we talk about the, the, the birthplace of the show, was you and I having a bunch of conversations when we worked together 15, almost 15 years ago at this point. And I do actually remember having conversations where you would basically pitch me this idea of the zombies being better than the Beatles. Yeah, and, and this is a weird thing. I don't want everyone to like throw the hate mail at me because I'm a huge Beatles fan. Oh, huge. I mean, this guy... It has a Beatles tattoo on his ass. And and didn't grow up with them because my parents were... Listen uh, to Conway Twitty. Well, yeah, that's easy. I was going to like say something <laughs> terrible about one of them and something sweet about the other one, but they have shitty taste in music. When your yeah, mom's favorite artist is Paul Anka, like, you're not going to get Rubber Soul and Revolver on like, clear until, vinyl. Until Paul Anka covers them, <laughs> which I'm sure has happened. <laughs> Probably so. so, but that song... Not only was a song that got them the record deal with Decca, it was also one of the songs that those idiots at Clear Channel put on the list saying it was an inappropriate song to listen to after 9-11. Which I don't really know why. Because she's not there because she died in the towers? I don't... Because every time I've ever I ever had an interview with Clear Channel is the worst interviews I ever had ever. <laughs> worst company ever. So, but uh... what made them different, I kind of mentioned this earlier, is that like this jazz rock thing, like 
what is that song? What's the time signature of that song? Hey, Viv, I have no idea what the time signature, but it's not 4-4. Four, four. That so, is not a Tom Petty song. It's so what's so interesting, right. too, right, with this song, is that this song doesn't do that well in the UK, and it does really well in the US, which launches them to the US. Yeah. So they, they are now not famous where they're from, but they're famous across the world. And so they bring them over to do promotion and touring on this record, and they end up, did you know this? I don't know if this is in your notes or not. They are the first act to play on Hullabaloo, the TV show, which I believe is an NBC property. Oh, so I put I put it in the show notes. Oh, great! But there's it's on YouTube. You can go watch them. And this is the thing you're talking about: how different the music is than other things from the time. It sounds like, of course, when they when they did these television filmed performances at that point, they were definitely lip syncing and they would do these things where they would like put dancers and actors and actresses in there. And so, yeah, well, and there's like a woman just lying on a couch the whole time, which is super weird. Oh yeah. But, uh, and and looking seductively at the camera, but there is that badass piano solo. Like you, you mentioned Chris and the keyboards, like there is this massive, like where you would think in a few years from now, right? Like you go to 1975 and now you have a guitar solo. Right or whatever. Here, right. there's like this freaking crazy keyboard organ thing that happens. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned Hullabaloo. And one thing they did radio when they came over to America was was Murray the K, just like the oh. Beatles. So they like they were on the radio. Like it was a huge big deal. But but back to what we were saying is that they they flopped a bit because they had these singles. And they didn't have albums coming out in the UK. So like, tell her no. Yeah, I love you and Care of Cell Forty Four, which is off Odyssey and the Oracle. They all they, Care of Cell Forty Four is such a good song, dude. It is, and they all tank. So Decca like is showing that they're not really bought in or they're not really behind the band. So frustrated, they sign with CBS and they get to go to Abbey Road, and that's where they record Odyssey and the Article right after Sergeant Pepper is recorded, and that's where Lennon's Mellotron is at. Well. And they don't have a budget, right? Isn't that sort of the whole story of Odyssey and Oracle is that they go, CBS puts them and is like, sure, we'll put this out, but like, we're not going to pay you very much for it? Well, also, they, they paid for, I believe, the mono mix, and then out of pocket, they paid for the stereo mix. The zombies themselves. Yes. Col- Colin and... Colin and, and Rod. They, because they write the songs and they have higher royalty standards. Yeah, yeah. So, but guess who the person is who helps get this record... In the United States, like, you know, get people to hear about it and get it played on the radio. Who? Do you know who it is? No. It's freaking Al Cooper, man. So for <laughs> every, Leonard Skinner guy? For everyone stuck, <laughs> Al Cooper is the guy who produced the first three Skinner records. Holy he's the, shit. On Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan, he's the one that's playing the organ that's what? like a half step off. <laughs> Right, he's that guy, and then and you can't always get what you want. He's the guy who plays the French horn. Is this so, guy just like he's like the Forrest Gump of rock and roll in the sixties? If you ever see a, a something, anything, anything with a documentary where you can just find him, like look something up and find him, a fascinating individual. And the the Dylan story is amazing. He 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 did it wrong. Like when you listen to it, you listen to the organ. The organ is like a half step off or something. I'll say that's the perfect artist to fuck something up with in the studio because he has the sort of mystique and general reputation where he can just be like, 
No, it's the way I meant for it to be. And everyone yeah. will just accept it for the rest of rock and roll history. Yeah, and, and then he produced, there was a band he produced, and they had a song called Freebird on that record, <laughs> dude. And let's talk about that, right? Awesome. That's all we need to talk about. That. Oh, so, my God. So what in, still what ends up happening is the record, Odyssey and the Oracles, record I introduced you to, it came out in 68. And, 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 and they know before they record this that they're done. They're, they're, they've had so much frustration and so much difficulty that it just it just hasn't worked. The system is not conducive for what the sort of band they aspire to be. I yeah. think that's the problem that we see with historical perspective, right? It's like they were designed to be almost a uh, like a prog band. You know what I mean? Like almost yeah. like an album-oriented rock band before album-oriented rock existed as a format and a commercial item that people spend money on. Right. So real quick, let's get back to time of the season. Oh my God. So what a great time of the season actually is released in 68 band breaks up. And it's like this sleeper song that just kind of never breaks through until a year later. And it is a worldwide hit all around the world. And there's no band. And It's the time of the season When love runs high In this time, give it to me easy And let me try with pleasured hands To take you in the sun To promise lands To show you everyone I right, mean, good God, dude. Yes, yeah, so there's no band. So well, there's no tour. And so in the mono mix of this song, too, don't they use like a, a layered-in drum line? Like, just back to your point of how this music was produced, created, and conceptualized way ahead of its time. Yeah. Like, everything about... Not only were they making it with these, like, much larger concepts, they were making it for... <laughs> much less money and they were having to think creatively on two fronts yeah. on like achieving their artistic vision but also doing it on a budget and then they give up and throw in the towel and things break yeah and they have a hit like it's unbelievable a, a worldwide hit so but what did steven really want us to talk about right well so he brings up zz top yeah and how, I mean, so you got to get us to where ZZ Top connects to this story. Yes, I am. That's a bop. What the hell is that? So, that is the 60s psychedelic band featuring Billy Gibbons. Wait, 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 wait. Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top was in that band? Yes. 
It was a 60s psychedelic. Big beard, band. guitar playing, Billy did, Gibbons. Didn't have a beard then. I would not have recognized him. Right. There's no right. Yeah. So so he was in that band. What's interesting is that what we're going to end up talking about is Dusty Hill and Frank Beard. Like we're not going to and just talk about um, Billy. Billy. Okay. Yeah. And um, so so Billy's in. I mean, give me some background on ZZ Top because I only know ZZ Top as sort of like. You I mean now that you point this out, like I sort of think of them as like these grandfatherly figures that have always been around. They okay. They've all, they were always playing music. And so Billy Gibbons had that band, Texas, obviously, and he got to go out on uh, an American tour with this artist that had never been on tour in America, and that guy's name is Jimi Hendrix. Really? So that's how Billy and Jimi became kind of peers. They knew each other. And there is some famous quote that you drop where Jimi Hendrix talks about Billy Gibbons being one of his favorite guitar players, right? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So ZZ Top actually started in 69, you know, obviously three-piece Texas band with this bluesy swagger that would make them legends. Big radio hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The beards. beards and sunglasses. Oh, yeah. And for me as a Gen Xer, um, it was MTV and the Eliminator LP that now, came see, out in That's not something I associate them with, right? I don't those think videos, of them, but you're right. Their you, videos were huge. Those videos, because you're like, oh, it's the dude with the beards and the sunglasses. And the girls. Oh, these chicks. I was going to say, there's girls in all those videos, yeah, right? Give me all your love and legs, like uh, all that, like the, a record called Legs for Pete's sake. I'm barely <laughs> pubescent Mark or whatever, like trying to do it. So um, Sharp Dressed Man, like that yeah. video was even more like a blowing my mind thing right. too, because, you know, so... Unlike the zombies, ZZ Top has sold 50 million records. Okay. So, and by the time that Dusty Hill passes away, which is just very recently. Yeah, that was in the last year. Right. They were the band with the longest running unchanged lineup in popular music history. I was going to say, because that's another band. It's just the three dudes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they are those three dudes. Yeah. For the entire, so who are they touring with now? Do you know? Um, in Dusty Hill's spot? Oh, it's, it's his um, guitar tech. He uh, he actually asked Dusty Hill asked asked Billy, Billy like I don't know if it was like you know his last one of his last wishes or whatever but he he said yeah that's that's who I want to like keep playing don't stop playing and then I, I remember like they went right back out on tour after he died and I was like what kind of money grab terrible person is this and it's like oh well this is exactly what he wanted well and it's different right where when you have been together for so long there's sort of two reactions either you shut it all down. Or you know each other so intimately that you've had that discussion. Yeah. And you've said, hey, if I die, Murdoch, I want you to continue rock and roll bedtime stories with... A drag queen. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny because I recently had a gig for like four years where I hosted an award show locally. And this this year, we replaced me with a drag queen. And it was so much better. (laughs) So yes. I'm sure. Yes. So what happens? How do we? How do we? Yeah, I mean, get, I still don't how understand do we, how these two things connect, okay. except for you've walked me to the end of the '60s with the zombies, and the, suddenly they have a hit, and there's the ZZ Top hasn't started yet. Right, right. So we've got a little gap. So boom, 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 ah, boom, boom, boom. Ah. So that is a world. That's fun. We should do that every worldwide. episode. It should be the how do we open? We should just record <laughs> that and be like rock and roll bedtime stories. Your whole boom. So, so worldwide hit. So if you and I were the douchiest record like promoters, concert bookers in the world, what would we do? We would book 
the fake zombies. So wait, wait, and wait. Call them wait. the original zombies. So there's no zombies, and so somebody ha- do they have the rights to the song <laughs> or the, to the the records? <laughs> Are you laughing at me? <laughs> what kind of question is this? You're like, you Nothing. asshole, you've hosted how many how many episodes of this show and you think somebody asked for permission? The thing about this is fair. <laughs> they they not only they in this case, Brian and Steven, they not only had a fake zombies, they had two of them. Oh my god, like the same people owned both? Um or they were just two people trying to capitalize on the same idea. I think it was two, but I, I can't remember from my research. But there was one in Texas and one in Michigan. Oh my god. So there, it's like because I remember as a kid finding out it's a that the British coasters, band. So yeah. some asshole in Texas was like, "We can just impersonate this British band." Yeah, yeah. Um, oh my god! Right, right. And uh, we'll get into that in, in like a a little bit. So that's what they thought. So they had this band. They they put them out, and so Dusty Hill, Frank Beard. So Frank Beard without the beard, right? And then Dusty, who is the bass player in ZZ Top, they have they start they're in this band, this fict- fictitious band, and they have fictitious. Like how do they get recruited? Um, it, it's in they're Na- they're uh, Nashville, Dallas musicians, and so and this promoter is just like looking for guys in Dallas who will do this. Yeah, and he he found another guy named Mark Ramsey and another one named Sebastian Meador, I think's his name, and so that was the the four. So Frank and Dusty, they had fake names on all the yeah. all the promo materials. So like they they go by the names of the actual guys in the like did they pretend to be Argent and no no okay so they, they just had fake names they just had fake names because because no one knows who's in the zombies they don't know what they look like <laughs> right <laughs> that's it you know oh my god right and and uh, and I can't remember which one I think it's the Mark Ramsey guy that said like you know we weren't as good as the zombies but we were better looking oh you know which is Lord. hysterical so um so. Mark Ramsey also told BuzzFeed in 2016 that he was told that the zombies didn't exist. They, they were only a studio band. Okay, so now, they weren't actually real, like the Archies or something. So which that, we'll talk about in a minute, too. I mean, that's a real thing, though. And we've talked about this on the show. When we had amazing, legendary Joel Selvin, a writer from, yeah. from San Francisco, on the show uh, forever ago. We talked about this idea of how the song would come first. And then they would manu like there would be a song, yeah. and they would manufacture it regionally with all these fake bands. So do that's like not unheard of. But what's right. crazy is that these assholes like knew what they were doing, right? Like this promoter yeah. in Dallas is like lying to these musicians. Um, yeah, but the thing is, is that <laughs> I think they I don't know how much they understand understand like for sure that they're going out playing some other songs because they're being given these songs to play, right? Okay, so Mark uh, Ramsey goes on to, the, to BuzzFeed that same, in that same interview and says, I was excited and flattered. I'd only been playing for a few years, and the other guys were pro-level at that point. And I didn't, it didn't look at anything more than a chance to have fun, hang out with some cool guys, learn some songs, and go somewhere outside of this hillbillyville and earn some money. And so here's your disaster music industry douchebag terrible people. It is Delta Promotions is the name of this. So I once this is what I read a once apparently reputable Bay City Michigan based company that managed question mark in the Mysterians. Whoa, yes. Whatever episode we talked about question mark, um, but reportedly they said that they had legally acquired. The zombies catalogs of songs, which we know is complete and total bullshit and not true. So not only were they playing small venues, even though they've got this huge hit, they were playing without a keyboard player. 
and ain't nobody as good as as the zombies. So this this is in the show notes. There's just a ton of things here. So a review of a show in late '69. <laughs> so think about when ZZ Top's gonna start. Is this the funniest episode we've ever done? Like I I cannot contain my laughter. This is the funniest idea that you've got guys who will eventually be at ZZ Top pretending to be British. <laughs> like do people know that they're a British band? I guess they don't. They don't. So they're just Why would they. <laughs> If you're listening to the Beatles, how do you know the Beatles are a British but, band? But what's wild about this is that there was the, there was an alternate version of reality where this band never got famous, and this would have totally been fine. Like no, you know, like right. like the Zombies never caught like this indie rock third wave appreciation that lands them in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But it takes so long. It takes so long. But they don't like so they're. I, but I they don't, don't care. That's I don't, the thing. They didn't jump on this immediately at all. Do you know if? Like, I don't know if you look this up in, in, in the research, but like, what causes them to have the resurgence with guys like me and you all this time later? Well, eventually they they get back together, oh. and 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 so and so Rod and Colin are together, and they're doing Argent songs and zombie songs, oh. and eventually and and Argent probably helps because he does pretty well and then people will go yeah. and check out what he did before but eventually like it, it takes a little while to get there and because they they are hesitant to get back together to begin with but because i think of them in the same not quite the same category as big star but i would almost put them in that yeah. case of like in the sense that there is a a out of time fan base like there are guys who now are between 40 and 60 that love big star who love uh, big star and the zombies and it's all sort of power pop it's like the beginning yeah. of even though we talk about jazz and all the things that influence this music at the time period that it comes out of and how sort of timeless and different it sounds like it's because of those double hooks it's power pop yeah oh for sure so would you like to read a review of one of their shows uh I would like to know everything about this period of fake zombies. Okay. A review of a show in late June 69 sums up both their struggles to replicate the sound and the general public's stunning, credulous response. So this is a quote from the Saginaw News. The band was... The Saginaw News. Yeah, yeah. Hey, up your subscription, man. Enjoy local journalism. Here's the quote. The band was especially disappointing and the crowd began to leave during their fourth song. The band didn't sound like they did back when they were selling millions of records got the reporter too right <laughs> likely due to likely due to what appeared to be a complete transition of band members yeah you think when they're 40 Bunch minutes of american set, white dudes yeah from texas when their four <laughs> their 40 minute set was finished there was no applause nothing but silence damn saginaw news giving it to you the boom, way boom, it happened boom, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> so, we could do it well, I think we can, and it it just needs to be our theme song. So, so the the zombies did notice. They just didn't do anything Why? about it in an aggressive way. Why? So, you know they they didn't want to get back together initially. They really like, didn't care, did they? No. Well, I think it's really interesting. Their response is so much different than now, where you would just send Morgan and Morgan after people. You would just. You sue would just- Sue yeah, everyone. Listen, rock and roll lawsuit stories. Right, right. But this <laughs> it's been is the last like six weeks of the show. So, so we're breaking we're breaking those chains right now, buddy. There is no lawsuits. Like, let me just tell you, there is another way. There's another way to handle yeah. it. So, 
I don't know why Jimmy Stewart suddenly on this show. <laughs> Clarence! The, the actual zombies eventually took notice, let me tell you, Brian. <laughs> so the co-founding bassist, Chris White, tore into these groups in December of 69, oh, oh, issue oh. of Rolling Stone, okay. accusing them of taking money from our fans and dragging down a reputation. Uh, yes. So here's their big lawsuit. Ish. <laughs> At one point, White said they had the cheek to phone up the label in Dallas and ask for $1,000 in publicity money, an allegation that Dusty Hill later denied. Yeah. So here is a totally unbelievable thing about this fake zombies, because they were called the zombies. There was literally a story that the lead singer died in a car accident. And so they wanted to honor him. So they like manufactured fake stories about the fake band to make it look more real? That Colin was dead? <laughs> yeah. And it's like in the American press, like in the cities they were touring in? So, yeah. So Chris White said like he was the zombies bass player and right. said like Colin is, is not dead. Um, and so he said reading this in print was like I'm reading an obit- my obituary. Right, like, right, right. 22. So... <laughs> And even more, like, I wouldn't say this is more egregious because these bands are not as important, but that same promotion company sent out a fake Archie's band and a fake Animals band on the tour, on, like, on the road, too, because do you know what the Archie's look like? No one no, does. No, no one does. Right? That's, a, that's an easy thing. Except you sort of assume they might look like the cartoon character Archie. Yeah. And even as a kid, as a teenager, I remember as a little kid, I loved the coasters. I loved, oh, yeah. you know, all Stranded in the Jungle and, and Yakety Yak and Charlie Brown all those songs and, and as a teenager I found out that there would be multiple coasters touring the country I mean because they didn't own anything they owned no publishing they yeah. didn't own the name and, and so there's multiple coasters this this all goes back to that same thing that we were talking about with Joel Selvin all those episodes ago around how differently the music business ran in the 50s and into the 60s in terms of churning out these hit songs and then creating the fictitious acts to fuel them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you remember I told you there's no lawsuits? I'm yeah. Just, I was just fucking with you. <laughs> so, so we've talked about we've talked about all these Don Arden, Peter Grant, like we've yeah, talked these about. these managers, these crazy-ass managers. Yeah. So Don Kirshner... Mid- midnight special right? yeah he's a fame promoter and he's a you know he's a businessman he's, he's tough he beats you up in a yeah, right. alley whatever he's a tough guy so he owned the rights to the archies oh shit yeah right that guy <laughs> so so he threatened legal action and then you know that went away and a subsequent headline in michigan's michigan's bay city Times said band promoter quits blast dj's Mafia. <laughs> so so he, he's just like, listen, I'm out because uh, I've been doing a bunch of shady shit, but I'm going to say it was the Mafia. Yeah, it's, it works for everybody else. <laughs> so so to, to wrap it up, what's very interesting, because I started reading about like, how do, this is what I ask people I work with or work with me. I'm like, so how do you feel today? How's, how's making, you know, and, and it's so interesting because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of malice. Like, Chris, the things that Chris White said were obviously, like, you said our singer died in a car accident, so you that's, had a fake band. That's screwed up. With our yeah. name. Like, that sucks, dude. So, but it, 
overall, there's like not a ton of ill will. And eventually they finally get back together and like they play South by Southwest. I saw them at Abbey Road in the River here in Louisville at the largest Beatles really? tribute fest. When was that? It was uh, 2015, 16 oh or something God, like that. I don't know how I missed that. And I had ticket, I had multiple tickets and then I, I'm pretty sure his family or whatever. And then people bailed out and I was by myself and I had a I had a wallet full of cash, and I was just buying beers for people around me because I was like, I can't believe we're watching the zombies over here. Oh, time of the season. So, I, Where was I? I don't know. Why was I not with you? I don't know. And it's like, I don't know how we weren't at that thing. That's super weird, dude. By myself. That's Hey, I mean, there's no shame in that, but it's also weird that I wasn't there. Uh, so, go, yeah, go ahead. So, at, <laughs> this in 2017, Ron Ar- Argent, had this joke about the whole whole thing. And he said, you know, when we finish our new tour that we've got coming on, we're going to go out as a ZZ Top tribute band and just repay the compliment to them. <laughs> I mean, so when, I guess after they are the fake zombies, this two-thirds of ZZ Top coalesces with Billy Gibbons, and then the rest is history in terms of their musical future. Yeah, yeah. And, and this becomes this funny footnote that guys like you and I sit around and talk about all these years later. Yeah, and and you get now watching Billy Gibbons, it's like, I mean, oh, how many years on it is, but like, if you just sit there, YouTube, and watch the guy play guitar, like, you're like, oh, I understand why Hendrix thought this was cool. Like, he's like, it's just the blues, right? Like, some of it's like, you know, boogie-woogie blues or whatever. Like, right. there is no, like, there's no power pop in ZZ Top. Right. There's no prog rock well, in ZZ, ZZ and Top. And when I saw this letter from Steven, I was like, this is a very weird... These two bands. ...group of bands, right? Like, yeah. how would you possibly put these two guys together? And I think that's some of the old brain thinking that guys like you and I still struggle with a little bit, because now I feel like... This idea that you could have a you could be in a Texas blues boogie band and you could be in a power pop band and you could do all these things throughout your career is like par for the course. But then it's very difficult if you're in a like you couldn't be in one band that has a song called Time of the Season and you also have a song called Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers. Right. Like it's like it's so diametrically deposed of like opposed of everything that it's so crazy. And the idea that both of these bands rock and roll like Hall of Famers in a big way. And ZZ Top, obviously, the more people know who they are. And and the image, like the zombies never weren't around long enough to have an image. And like if you But go- I do think of them in suits. No? No. But okay, so maybe I've it's, seen them and it's like it's so well, like there's not, so not nothing now. There. Not yeah. now. But oh, like yeah. back yeah. when they you know, because it was British invasion sort of Time period when they were on Hullabaloo and stuff, they were oh, buttoned up. Yeah, well, nobody in the '60s was wearing who farted t-shirts <laughs> when they were on TV, Brian. Like everybody was expected to look like you know they were kicking it with their their shit or whatever. So, well, yeah, this reminds me of an episode we did on the show, like maybe a year ago, about Etta James and Larry Williams. Remember mm-hmm. this Larry Williams guy who was like this this player in early rock history who no one really knew who he was or what about him, but they knew that he was a player in early rock history. And another guy goes out as Larry Williams on the road and books himself as Larry Williams and plays Larry Williams songs. And Etta James calls him on his bullshit. So if you've not heard that episode, this it's a nice companion to this one because it is sort of the same concept. But I do think we get so right brained about how things work now in the music industry or how we think about music 
it's not even the industry. It's about how we think of music as a product. Yeah. And that there that it can be owned and that it can be commodified and that it can be packaged. And so stories like this really mess with your your concept of all that because you're like, if you dissect it down to its pieces, you're talking about taking something and having other people perform it, basically a cover band. Right. But then there's this charade that happens on top of it where you don't really tell people you're not the people who originally wrote it. Even They even call themselves the original zombies. Okay, now that's fucked up. <laughs> right. There's a way to do this where it's like sort of in a gray area. That's pretty black and white. The yeah. original zombies, though I'm sure that they probably got away with that because the original zombies could be copyrighted as mm-hmm. a name. Yeah, and the zombies could. And the zombies couldn't. Yeah. Which is also wild. Yeah. Now, one thing we haven't talked about yet is the other probably most well-known zombie song that is my favorite. Oh, well then why don't we, that's how we're going to get out of here. Uh, Let's do that. I feel like this song hasn't been covered enough. I feel like more bands, I I actually feel like all three of those like sort of major zombie songs should be covered more often. And I don't know why. I always think, like there are definitely cover versions. You can go on a streaming service and type in the name of these songs and find people covering them. But I don't feel like there are some really hard-hitting or or major reinvention covers that could have brought this stuff back up yeah. to you know to an audience. But I, I feel like this will be our year is maybe a top 15 song I, ever. I was going to guess, me. but I didn't want to blow it and be wrong. I mean, Car- in, Carousel of 44 is pretty awesome because yeah. it's about a guy getting out of prison. Yeah, and being excited. And being very excited about it. That's what about. the lyrics are about, yeah. them getting out. <laughs> Well, if you want to get involved in the show, we've we've clearly proven that you have much to educate us about too. So write us. It's we are the story guys at gmail.com. You can get involved via Instagram. It's backslash rock and roll bedtime stories. You can find our website, we are the story guys. I'm just throwing stuff at you. Patreon.com. That's where you support the show with your dollar bills. Uh, and that happens at patreon.com slash rock and roll bedtime stories. You will get bonus episodes where Murdoch and I talk more about music if you can handle any of that. And uh, send you a weekly newsletter. And uh, there is something that we ask you to do if you um, are going to come back to this show in another week or two. And uh, what what is it that we need people to do between now and then? Keep telling stories. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Ah, boom, boom, boom. Just begun This will be our year Took a long time